I hope today, if we take one thing away from today, is that we see from the scripture itself, what Paul talks about today, that the Bible is God's word. It is authoritative. There are so many of the things that are trying to say that they are the thing to live by. And that as time goes on, that changes and that changes and that changes. But God says, no, my word stays the same. It never changes. And so I just want to encourage us today. It's, it's, it's going to be a pretty simple um, sermon today. God's word. God speaks. God speaks to us through his word. It's authoritative. We can trust it. People respond and lives are transformed. God speaks. People respond. And the word transforms. People's lives are transformed. Because the problem is when we start thinking about Scripture and we, and, we, and we reduce it and have a low view of Scripture, churches, people, congregations start having a low view of Scripture. And then these questions about is the Bible true? Does God speak to us today? Are people's lives transformed? Become a real doubt, a real doubt. And maybe some of you are sitting here today thinking, does God's word really speak? Can I really trust it? When I look in this world, it doesn't look like it. Doesn't look like it. Well, I hope today we see Paul encourages us to have a high view of Scripture. A view is important. So turn with me to verse 13 of chapter 2, please. Verse 13 of chapter 2. And it should be on the screen as well. In a moment, there we go. Paul speaks and he says, and, and we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as human word, but as it clearly is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own people the same things that those churches suffered from the Jews, who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. They displease God and are hostile to everyone in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so they, that they may be saved. In this way, they always heap up their sins to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. And as I've been preparing these sermons the last few weeks, they've kind of, rather than points, they've come out as prayers and so I just want us to have a couple of prayers today that maybe you can share this prayer for yourself because it's a prayer that I've been praying this week for me. First of all, Lord, help me to trust that you speak through your word and hold it as supremely valuable. Lord, Father God, help me to trust that you speak through your word and for me to hold it as supremely valuable. Just turn it off if it needs to. Don't worry about it. Um, don't want it to be a distraction, so... So Thessalonica, a city of some 200,000 people, was not too different than the city of Birmingham in 2023 today. Just honestly, please, just leave it off. It's fine. If it's, if it's flicking between, that's cool. We'll turn them on. That's fine. Thank you. Don't worry. Um, Thessalonica is not too dissimilar to the city of Birmingham today. 200,000 people in Thessalonica. I know we've got 1.2 million, so it's a little bit smaller. Um, 
But Thessalonica was filled with different religions and different philosophers. Different philosophies being spoken in the, in the city, on the city gates, in the, in the marketplaces. Egyptian worship, Greek, Roman, it was all kind of like merged into one. And that was being preached and spoken in the streets. We had Jews preaching in the synagogues, the law. And today you go into Birmingham City Centre and what do you see? If you go to buy the ball ring, you can hear a whole load of different teachings going on. Muslims, Christians, Hindus, Buddhists, humanists. Humanists who say that um, there is no God. Humans get your own, give your own lives meaning, seek your own happiness, and then seek the happiness and help others do the same, but no mention of God. There's a lot of voices that are coming in, a lot of voices. How do we know what to trust? What voices do we listen to? Paul sets out his message to the Thessalonians here. Look at verse 13. He says, you received the word of God. You received the word of God. He marks his message as different to any other message that they're hearing. It's the word of God. This is the word of God that I'm telling you. I'm telling you the word of God. I'm speaking to you the word of God. I'm showing you from the Old Testament, the scriptures, the word of God. Implying that God was speaking and Paul was his mouthpiece. And when he shared the word of God, they received it for what it was. The word of God. This is God's word. This is different than anything else that is out there. And because they received it, they received it rightly. They received it how it was tended, how it was intended. Firstly, how are we then supposed to receive the word of God? How are we to think of it? How are we to hold it? And firstly, we have to hold to its divine origin. Its divine origin. Do we believe it is God's word for us today? Is it him speaking to us? In Hebrews chapter 1, it says this, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets, and at many times and in many ways. But in these last days, how has he spoken to us? By his Son, whom he's appointed heir of all things. And that statement alone, C.S. Lewis wrote in his book, I don't know if you've read it, but God in the dark. That one statement led C.S. Lewis to write this. Christianity is a statement which is false, is of no importance. If it's true, it's of infinite importance. But the one thing it cannot be is moderately important. These Thessalonians didn't receive it as, it's all right, it's pretty decent stuff. They received it how it was supposed to be. Divine origin. God's word. And and. In chapter 2 of um, Hebrews, he says this in verse 1, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we've heard so that we do not drift away. The Thessalonians weren't drifting away. They had paid close attention to the word of God. It's divine origin. It is his word. God had spoken, and the people responded rightly to it. This is God's word. It's divine. They trusted it. They trusted that what Paul was telling them about the Old Testament was all pointing to Jesus. What's the point of this book? What is the point of it? All pointing to Jesus. They only had the Old Testament scriptures at the time. But Paul was showing them that everything he's talking about here is pointing to Jesus, the one to come, the one he can save, God's promised Messiah. That's why it's so important. Whether we're reading the Old Testament, whatever we're reading, Leviticus, Malachi, whatever it may be, it's all pointing to Jesus. 
Someone said to me once, um, why does every sermon have to be about Jesus? You're preaching from the Old Testament. Why has it got to be about Jesus? Well, everything is about Jesus. Everything. Every sermon should be about Jesus. What do you believe about the Word of God? What do you believe about the Word of God? What you believe about the Word of God, what its authority is, who's written it, is going to have a massive impact on your life. It's interesting, if you turn in Exodus 19, I'll read a part of it to you. Exodus 19. God tells Moses, um, basically, to go and tell the people all that he said to Moses. And the people respond with this. We will do everything the Lord has said. Everything the Lord has said. Even though it's Moses telling them. Everything the Lord said we will do. They knew and trusted it was the word of God. It was God's word. And I'm going to... Um, I'm going to get in a little bit more detail about this because I think it's really important. Many of you may know this already. Some of you probably, well, who knows? But I think it's really important when we're talking about the word of God that we kind of understand these terms. When we talk about God's word, we talk about his revelation to us. God's word has been revealed to us. God has revealed himself to us in two ways. How? General revelation, creation. No one is without excuse. The beauty of this creation, the beauty of us and how we're made speaks that there is a God that has made us. No one is without excuse. But then also we have his special revelation, his written word, the most precious gift. God's word written down for us that has been inspired, that he's inspired earthly authors to write. Every word that is written down in this book was God's intention doesn't that hold a greater meaning when we realize this is not just an accident? This is not just some people thinking, oh, I've met Jesus, I'm going to write some words. This is God's word, inspired and inspired. Paul has inspired Peter, has inspired James, John, Mark, Matthew, all these authors to write exactly the words that he wanted to be recorded for you to hear, that you can know him. It's divine. It's not like any other book. It's not like any other book at all. And so we also talk about illumination as well. When you come and read the Bible, when you come and have your quiet time, and you read the words that are in Scripture. God illuminates our heart through the Spirit to see what he wants us to hear today. Isn't that beautiful? You come to the Word, and he has a word for you each time you come to it. He illuminates it through the Spirit. There's nothing else for him to reveal. He's revealed everything in this Bible. It's here, but the Spirit illuminates our hearts to be able to see it. So in 40 years' time, he could be reading this, and he will illuminate something else that he's already revealed in there, but we didn't know was there. Isn't that beautiful? It's a, it's a gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> but it is possible, it is possible to believe the right things, to read your Bible, but it not change your life. That is possible. I think the devil, he knows that this is of divine authority. He knows it's God that's written it. He knows that. He knows that the men that writ it were, God's, were writing on God's behalf. God's words written down. But he doesn't hold them as supremely valuable. 
And so if we don't hold these words as supremely valuable, if they don't matter to us when we come to the word and read it, it will not affect us. The Spirit will not work through us, through the word, to speak to us. See, the, the Israel accepted it as God's word, but they didn't hold it as supremely valuable because they didn't keep the law, did they? They couldn't without the Spirit's help, but they didn't hold it supremely valuable, not all of them. And so, I don't know about you, but I, loved, I like to read books and books now and again. I'm not a Shakespeare. I don't read Shakespeare, not anymore, not since I was in year 10 at school, some 26 years ago. Um, but this is more important than Shakespeare. Thank you. Thank you, Kenny. We've missed the amens. Thank you. This is more important than Shakespeare. This is more important than any Bible commentary that you can get, that no matter how good it is. This is the word of God that Isaiah says will not pass away. It will endure forever. This is going to be, in, this is an eternal book because it is perfect. Anything that's perfect has an eternity, doesn't it? And this is the only thing that is perfect. God's word is perfect. It will withstand the judgment of God because it is perfect. But do we hold it as supremely valuable? Is it the most important thing that we base our life on? Do we stand on this book? Do we hold to it? Do we let it speak to us? Do we let the Spirit reveal something to us and say, what do I do, Lord? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to live? But I don't know about you, there are a lot of voices in this world, in our society, that speak a different message and that can fill our heads that can then move into our hearts, that can start help make us doubt the goodness of this book, the divinity of this book, its value. What are the voices in your life at the moment, other voices that might be speaking a different message, diminishing the importance of this word of God? What are the voices in society at the moment? I was just thinking, even maybe it's family, maybe it's parents saying that's good for you, but but. I don't, it's, it's rubbish. You need to think about this. You need to live your life this way. You shouldn't be doing that. Society is speaking all the time, saying, base your life on making as much money as possible, having the best pension possible. But then there's, but then what? There's nothing. That's what society tells. You must buy this big house and live in this estate. You must have this many friends. You, you must do this, do that. You must have three holidays a year abroad. Otherwise, you have not made it. What voices are you letting come in? Are you aware of these voices? And I just want, it may just write this question down. Are there other voices that are getting in at the moment, your, um, that are getting in, that are making you think, are they more supremely valuable than the word of God? Are there any of the voices that you're holding to is more supremely valuable than the word of God? And ask the Lord, help me. Help me understand. Help me trust that this is your word for me. Because God speaks, people respond, the Thessalonians have responded in a way that they've received it with joy in the midst of suffering and persecution. And people are transformed. 
people are transformed. So secondly, Lord, help me to welcome your transforming word in my heart. Help me to welcome your transforming world in, word in my heart. I was going to say something else here, but after listening to um, Gavin speak, give show his testimony, John 3 spoke to him, and it transformed his life. Do we believe this word can transform us? Because we can say it's God's word. We might even say we hold it as supremely valuable. But do we believe it can transform us and actually change us? It's a difference, isn't it? Do, do we believe this can actually make a difference to my life? Can Jesus make a difference to my life? Can God speak to me through his word today? Sorry, I've gone a bit all over the place here. But I think we need to heed this point. I know I do. When we come to the word of God, do we trust? Or do we even ask the word of God when we're reading it? Lord, what are you calling me to obey today? What are you calling me to obey today? What do you want me to obey? What steps do you want me to take to obey? Because I know in my life, I can turn to the word of God and think, this is lovely and nice, isn't it? Thank you. But I haven't really dwelt upon it. I haven't really asked it, Lord, what are you calling me to obey today? Because if we want transformed lives, we want to see our lives continue transformed, but made, um, as we're being sanctified, made more like Jesus. If we want to see our lives trans- continue transformed, we have to walk in obedience. We see here that the Thessalonians, Paul knew that they had really grasped the word of God because they were willing to suffer like the churches in Judea. Churches that were being persecuted, churches that were where people were being killed for their faith. They were willing to stand firm on it because they knew it was true. It was supremely valuable. They were seeing their lives were transformed because they were holding fast to the word of God and were going to do anything and not um, and not turn away from it. It was supremely valuable. And I believe that if we want to see our lives continue transformed, we have to take small steps in obedience to him. If we, when we obey, we see his word, and he says, the Lord says, I want you to do this today. And this, from what I've read today, I, um, what are you calling me to obey? I'm calling you to obey. I need you to do this, Dan. And as I walk out and step out in faith and I do that, I believe that lives are transformed. So I'm going a little bit all over the place here, but um, I lost my place, so I do apologize. But... I confess at times that I don't always come to the word of God and expect it to be able to speak to me, that his spirit will illuminate something to me and say, this is what I want you to obey today. And then I question, why why has my life not been transformed in this way? Why am I still stuck in this sin? And maybe you've been stuck in sin for 30 years, a habitual sin, a sin that you just can't get rid of. And you feel like, Lord, are you real? Can you really transform me? Can you really do this? But I firmly and truthfully believe that as we walk out and with one step of obedience, his word will speak to us. And as we obey that, we'll take another step. And as we obey that, we'll take another step. And God will truly transform us. And I want you to maybe to think, is there an area of your life that, God, that you've not surrendered to him, that he has not transformed yet? You're not letting him. 
an area of your life that you know when you come to the Word of God, it keeps coming back to you and saying, he's asking you to obey in this certain area, and you're not doing it. Just want to encourage you, there's grace that covers that. But also, he wants obedience. He wants us to obey his Word. See, God speaks to us through his Word. People respond. People's lives are transformed. And maybe the longer you've been a Christian, the longer you've followed Jesus, maybe the less transformation you're seeing in your life. Maybe that's causing you to doubt. Does God's word really speak to me now? That story's great for Gavin, but it's not happened to me. The Lord is always at work transforming us. But if we hold to God's, the divinity of God's word, this authority of scripture that it can speak into any and every situation, as we hold it as supremely valuable in our lives, it's more important than any other voice from society that's coming in. As we obey his word, we will be transformed. Our lives will continually be transformed. And maybe there's not been a day in your life that you've given your life to Jesus. Maybe you've not really bowed the knee to him yet. He can transform your life. He can save you from your sin. The separation that, that, that Gavin was talking about. Sin that so easily entangles us that we, we can't get rid of that. That is the guilt and the shame from that we, is paid for. We come to Jesus. Um, I think we will leave it there today but with a couple of questions for you. What area of your life have you seen transformation in? What area of your life have you seen transformation in? What area of your life are you in need of transformation in? What could God be asking you to obey today? I'll say them again. Just write these down if you can. What area of your life have you seen transformation in? And I encourage you to share that before you go home with someone today. Where have you seen God at work in your life, even this past week, where he's been transforming you, where his word of, the word of God has spoken to you and you've obeyed it? What area of your life are you in need of transformation in? And I say, please don't go home today without praying with somebody and asking them, pray with me. I want, I want, I want transformation in this area. And someone might be able to bring the word of God into that. And thirdly, what could God be asking you to obey today? Lord, help me to trust that you speak through your word and I know it is supremely valuable. Lord, help me to welcome your transforming word in my, in my heart. And trust that it is true. Father, Lord, I pray that when we go out this week, Lord, that we would know that your word is of ultimate, ultimate authority where we know what truth is, know where we find transformation. Thank you that you speak through your word to us today. Thank you that it's not just something that was written 2,000 and more years ago, Lord, that it, was, that it is your word for us today, that it is living and active, that it speaks to us. Thank you, Lord, that it won't pass away. And so, Lord, I pray that, that even this week that that as we come to you, Lord, as we, as we spend time with you, as we look in your word, Lord, that you would illuminate something, something new to us, Lord, something fresh.
something that we've not seen before, something that excites us and ignites us. And Lord, I pray if there's any voices that are getting in, Lord, from society, any voices from family, any voices from anywhere, Lord, that is, that is tempting us to doubt um, the goodness of your word, the truthfulness of your word. I pray that we would not listen. I pray we would stand, for, uh, stand firm like we see in this church in Thessalonica, Lord. I pray that we would um, not doubt it for a moment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand together and we're going to finish uh, with singing Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord.